0: Hello, and welcome to Wealth Matters, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. This show was presented to you by Gasowitz Frankel, a law firm dedicated to resolving disputes involving your wealth, whether through your will, your trust, your business, or your investment. Today's show is our 50th episode and marks five years of Wealth Matters being on air here on Gwinnett Business Radio X. The show is presented to you by Gasiewicz Frankel, a law firm dedicated to resolving disputes involving your wealth, whether through your will, your trust, your business, or your investments. For news, pictures, and tips, go to our website at gasowitzfrankel.com or follow us on Twitter at Estate Dispute, our show's hashtag is Wealth Matters. Your hosts today are Adam Gasowitz and Craig Frankel, and we're talking about insurance, what you need to know, and how it fits into your financial planning.
1: And now it's time to introduce our guests. We're pleased to have with us today Philip Kahn with uh, Consulting Financial Planning and Andy Siegel, owner and president of Siegel Insurance.
2: And uh, before we begin, why don't I get each of you to just tell our uh, audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, Okay. Well, well, thank you first, Craig and Adam, for inviting me over. Uh, My name is Philip Kahn, and uh, I'm a certified financial planner. I'm a CPA, and I provide a service that's rare out there nowadays where you don't sell any products i'm looking at your financial net worth your cash flow just trying to help you understand where you sit today so that we can move forward to where you want to be
3: and i'm andy siegel and thank you again craig and adam for having uh, me and philip out here today uh siegel insurance is a family-owned independent insurance agency meaning we represent lots of different insurance carriers we work for you not the insurance company we're in our 55th year And we primarily help businesses and individuals and families with their property and casualty insurance needs. That's your auto, your home, business liability, workers' comp. We also help people with life insurance and disability. Uh, Our specialty really uh, is anyone who's looking for advice and help with their insurance coverages and doesn't want to understand it themselves especially.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be everybody, I think. Yes. Okay. So, okay, I, I need your help. So tell me, I go out and get life insurance or I want to get life insurance and I think it's really expensive and I don't know what it is. So what types of life insurance are there?
3: So there are temporary policies and there are permanent policies. The temporary policies are term insurance. Term insurance is the fastest way to fill this bucket that your estate will need after you've you've passed. It's cheap, but it doesn't last long. It's not there for the long term. The permanent products such as whole life and universal life or more and have an investment feature to them. Whole life is very stable. Universal goes along with the market and as the market goes up and down your investments go up and down. So, they're also more expensive. And as Andy refers to the whole life policy, I
2: sit there and think about the long-term goals and objectives when I think of a whole life policy and if you need to carry your uh, assets to say an air or something and and those with that feature. Or if you're looking at a term policy and you've got a short-term goal that you really want to cover in a certain period of time, so you've got a 10-year window or a 20-year window.
0: Well, let's be a little more specific. When you say a short period of time, so in other, other words, you might have young children and you want to make sure, God forbid, that you pass away, that you can pay for college. Right.
2: You when, get you get married, you have a child, you want to provide for a college education through age 22, so you want to have a 20 to maybe a 30-year policy that covers that period of time usually people are looking at it going through through 20 years I'll have covered my child's college funds with this particular product
1: not, not a policy you hope to keep until you die
0: correct and correct. when you say for long term where you where you might want to use it as an estate planning you know something what do you mean by that
2: well for uh, estate planning purposes if you had uh, well we'll take the next an extreme on the upper end, say your assets exceed $11,400,000. Right now, that's your estate exemption. Should you need to pay estate taxes and you want to leave that entire 11-4 for for an an heir, you might need some estate tax payments, uh, and you'll utilize your insurance for that. A whole life policy might function in that role. Where it's a permanent policy, you know you exceed the estate exemption or the tax exemption, and you want to use that to pay the estate tax
0: and allow the eleven four or uh, a lesser amount to go to your heirs. If if you've got a permanent policy, does it grow tax-free or do you have to pay a tax as it grows in value?
3: The policy grows tax-free. There's no tax consequence, and the proceeds are usually tax-free also.
0: And, And that's an important point. The reason why I ask that question is when you're looking at an investment, however you're looking at an investment, is one of the questions you're going to ask is it tax free versus non-tax free and kind of comp- try to compare apples with apples. Absolutely because you're going to end up either with a net
2: pool of funds after tax. You could you have a let's just throw out a number. You have a $100,000 policy if it were taxable, which most life insurance is non-taxable. But if it were taxable and you got a 40% tax rate, you end up with $60,000. If you got a non-taxable instrument This $100,000 comes to you whole, and you decide to do what you want with
0: the $100,000. And you're
2: talking about income tax, not estate or gift tax?
1: Correct, income
2: tax. Thank you.
0: Well, actually answer that question, too. Is life insurance, does it have to pay a gift or an estate tax? Normally, no. There are some situations
2: where if you don't structure it properly and it ends up in your estate, you could exceed, you know – it would be a surprise pool that ends up in your estate.
0: But a good planner can make sure that doesn't happen. Right, that's what we try to do with your,
2: with your planning piece.
3: And one thing I'd like to add too, think of life insurance as replacing lost income. And that's why term insurance is so good for the young person trying to get their child through college. If they die when the child is five years old, there's income that's no longer there that needs to be replaced. and Term insurance is the most cost-effective way to do that.
0: Yep. and that that leads me to the next time when you have income replacement what if you're in a car accident or you're somehow disabled for any reason what insurance is there for that there is
3: disability insurance great question and you are more likely to be disabled in your lifetime before age 65 than to die you're far more likely from what I understand yes I think three times are the numbers I've heard so disability insurance replaces lost income it is either purchased individually by you like a life insurance policy and sometimes provided by your employer when you use pre-tax money to pay the premiums the benefits come to you tax-free
0: so in other words if you pay it out of your own pocket if you ever need it it's going to be tax-free correct but, but but philip tell us what happens if your employer gives it to you which is a good thing right it's a
2: great benefit that your employer might offer but you need to be fully aware that if you're not paying for it you're going to be taxed on it so if you're making the contribution to pay the premium that's a policy you personally are buying but if your employer is paying for it and it comes to you through some type of disability you will be taxed on it and what what i do at my office is i'll run scenarios for you based on whatever type of policy you have so if i if i look at your premium on your w-2 and say hey you are you paying for this or is your employer paying for it i'll run a scenario with either uh, a taxable scenario of you you receiving disability benefits or a non-taxable scenario where you're receiving but, but, benefits. But
1: disability insurance is replacing income, correct, which would normally be taxable. So if you're, if you're not paying tax on the
2: disability in, uh, insurance proceeds, then you need less of it correct. to replace the income. Correct. I would reduce the tax calculation in the uh, as far as your uh, use of funds, because I look at it as either a source of funds or a use of funds or some combination. So you're going to
0: basically ask the question, how much do you need? and then you're going to kind of figure it out backwards. Can I, can I ask a question? Let's assume you become disabled. What happens on your other insurance, the payments on that, like your mortgage or your, or your uh, whether there's mortgage insurance or life insurance? Does, do you still have to pay those premiums, or is that something that you can budget a different way?
3: Yes, the premiums still have to be paid, but there are some uh, add-ons you can get to those policies even through your mortgage, some disability insurance in your mortgage that will pay it for you after you've been disabled a certain period of time.
0: And, and,
1: and, and disability insurance ends at a certain point, right? Usually, usually, they usually pay till age 65? Yeah,
3: correct.
2: Right.
1: Is that, has that changed any with the changing retirement ages, or is it still just 65?
2: I've only seen where it's still up to 65, but there are different. I'm sure you can write parameters into a disability policy, especially if it's your own individual policy. A lot of times when you're offered a policy through your employer, it is a pretty fixed package as to what you can get.
1: Is is there a a point where you don't need to have it anymore? I mean,
2: at what age are you close enough to 65 that it's not worth continuing to pay for the policy? Well, you can look at, um, I guess that comes back to the cash flow statement for me. Mm -hmm. I come back and look at my client's age. How many years do we need to project to get to Medicare, or if you're getting Social Security, or whether the types of income are going to be supplement, because um, Adam, like you're referring to, is, I, if I'm going to take in $30,000 in Social Security at sixty-five,
0: And And let me just note for oh, our five. listeners, that's pretty much the maximum under the current status. So when you pay your money into Social Security, it goes up the more money you earn. But currently, the most you're going to get from Social Security on today's dollars is about 30000 a year, give or take.
2: Right, right. And so if that's going to be your supplement, you'll we would sit back and look and go, do we need your disability supplement? So,
1: so if you're 61, 62, 63, I mean, are you still, is it still worth paying for insurance that
2: even if you became disabled tomorrow would only last a couple of years? Uh, depending on the premium and, and what your commitments are and how you stand financially at that time, if you can withstand four years or five years of not having your income, that would be a great time to look at it. If you're still struggling to get where you wanted to be to achieve your financial objectives, That may be necessary. So let's
0: let's underscore that. So, so disability insurance is income replacement because one of the things Andy that I would think about is, well, wait a second. If I'm disabled, I'm going to have medical bills and stuff. Maybe I should start thinking as I age and uh, and I reach my 60s or thereabouts that I should be thinking much more about long-term care insurance that might provide for me for disability. So, what's the difference?
3: So, disability insurance replaces the income. Long-term care is the care. and the cost covers the cost providing health care for you and medical care whether it's in home or in a facility uh, because you can't take care of yourself there are a handful of uh, measurements whether it's bathing dressing feeding uh, etc that are if you can't do those you're considered eligible for long-term care and that is the cost to take care of you while you're needing help doing all of this is this
1: until medicare kicks in or is this forever medicare
3: doesn't cover that
0: I ever. would really want to underscore that because we get this question all the time. Does Medicare cover when you need to go to a facility or need in-home nursing care?
3: No, it does not. It will, okay.
0: It will not. That's a big difference. People think often think it does. So you will need insurance beyond that. Medicare is for medical, and that's it. You might get a stay or two uh, for re- rehabilitation, but it's not going to pay for long-term care. And, and if I can, I'll, I'll talk just a minute about long-term care for... I was in a a class
2: yesterday and we were talking about the numbers and just so the listening uh, audience can understand we were talking a hundred and a quarter to 150,000 easily for long-term care issues uh, if you're if you're fully disabled. So having long-term care or evaluating can I make it financially without having long-term care is critical for me and a lot of times um, in my office I'll talk to my clients, even if they have substantial assets, some of them don't like to give up their cash, the 150 a year, even though they have substantial assets. And I'll talk to them about getting a policy that will just supplement the cost. So instead of having to have a policy that covers the 150 dollars or a $500,000 policy or a $750,000 $750, policy, I'll talk to them about would you feel better if you were only coming out of pocket $75,000 a year? versus 150.
0: And I do want to add one one comment. I'm seeing now more and more middle-aged kids, 60, 70 year old, which I consider middle-aged now, starting to think about long-term care for their parents because their parents outlive their expectation of retirement and this is a way both that the parent and the middle-aged child can fund good care for their loved ones over time. It doesn't necessarily have to be the 60 old planning only for themselves it's a that's a phenomenal point
2: I have had a client in my office who's uh, was an elder client 65 plus um, the husband died the wife was in a position where she may be struggling to pay her bills and I looked at um, the kids who are three kids and I met with the three kids and I said here's several opportunities for y'all to joint venture and help subsidize your mother's care One of the issues was long-term care, and we talked about who's going to take care of your mother if something happens to her. What are
3: you all going
0: to do? It's going to be my sister. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) One thing to add about long-term care is the best time to buy it is in your 50s. We're seeing the sandwich generation now raising their parents who are older and infirmed and also raising their teenagers and college-age students, uh, kids. So if you look in your 50s, that's probably the most cost-effective time to purchase it.
1: You're listening to Wealth Matters, the radio show where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. We're your hosts, Craig Frankel and Adam Gaslowitz from the fiduciary litigation law firm of Gaslowitz-Frankel. We're talking today with Philip Kahn of of Consulting Financial Planning and Andy Siegel, owner and president of Siegel Insurance. And we're talking today about insurance, what you need to know and how it fits in your financial planning.
0: Andy, you said that the best time to get uh, a long-term insurance is in your 50s. Tell us why.
3: Insurance is simply a transfer of risk, and insurance companies are betting you're healthy, they're going to make money in the early years, you're not going to need it for a while. You may decide you want to cancel it 10 years later, but you're not going to be infirmed until you're in your 60s or 70s or maybe even 80s. So they've got 15, 20 years to offer you lower rates because they know the cost won't be there for them to pay out. Uh, You also are going to have fewer health issues when you apply because these policies are medically underwritten. it's very hard to get these policies after age 80. It's almost just impossible.
0: And, and tell our listeners there. We th- I think of term life and term life. I think of long-term insurance as pure insurance. What are the kind of the broad brushstrokes of what types of long-term insur- care insurance there is?
3: Well, the long-term care insurance traditional just pays for you in any facility, but the better products will also pay for you for in-home health care,
1: which is what most people think they want. It may, may not be the best uh, option for them, but most people think they want to stay in there.
3: And some will pay a reduced benefit per day or a full amount, depending on which uh, options you buy.
0: And, and I, I, I've heard about there are some that are pure insurance where you buy a policy, but others that are riders on other types of policies, whether it be life insurance or something else. What's the difference?
3: So some, like you asked, are just pure insurance. If you don't use your long-term care in the 20 years you have the policy and you die, the insurance company wins. The, the combination products, the hybrid products, combine some life insurance and long-term care together, and in some way you'll get some of your money back that you've paid in in a death benefit. You won't see it while you're alive, but there will be a life insurance payment at the end of it.
2: And there are also combination policies where you get a husband and wife with a life, uh, life long-term care policy where when I look at it with my clients, I say, The first one who would need this is the one who's going to need the care. Do we have enough assets on the side for you, if you're the remaining spouse after that use, for you to live or to be taken care of? So I try and look at it as it's possible you only need one one long-term care policy if you have enough assets to take care of the remaining
0: spouse. So, so you're you're running through the numbers and saying what if what if one of you needs it what if both of you need it how do we fund it but you may only need one policy depending upon where you fit correct correct what if you're a business owner
1: what
2: type of uh, insurance does a business owner need to have or at least mm-hmm. consider having well i've got to tell you i've had a recent example of this and it really comes into the liability coverage for even if you're a real estate uh, manager for the property we had a piece of property that I was involved with, with a client, um, needed a new roof, called the roofer to come out, the roofing company come out, re the roof. There was a skylight in the roof. Oops. <laughs> Rorker fell through the skylight 40 feet, didn't die, injured himself, and the client called me, said, this is what happened. I said, you do have liability coverage call your insurer tomorrow just make sure it's in place you've got all the eyes dotted and the T's crossed and, and this, no, is, this is liability insurance not on the building but but there's the employer oh correct the, the owner of the property okay. that's all it was you just be in the position for someone to make a claim against you and to have that liability coverage it was tremendous I mean he after he called me made, made his phone call the insurance company he called me back goes I'm good
0: okay so Andy give us our checklist you're a business owner And, you know, there's lots of policies. What should we be asking you? What should we be looking for?
3: Well, the whole purpose of insurance is to keep you in business if something were to happen, whether it's a fire, tornado, pipe bursting, uh, theft, uh, really any kind of damage to the structure itself. So if you separate the business insurance, there's liability exposure, as Philip mentioned, and there's the property exposure itself. You're a manufacturer. Your equipment goes down. You can't manufacture anymore. We can also protect loss of income. To the business. What is that called? Business interruption. Uh, there may be weather events that cause business interruption. You may live on the coast, or your business may be located there, and hurricanes come through and take out, you know, half the city. We can cover that. Mexico Beach had that issue.
1: What about um, cyber security type issues? If uh, your system gets hacked, or your system gets taken down completely, or or it gets held for ransom, is there insurance that covers things like There's that?
3: There is coverage for cyber liability, and also. Uh, employment practices liability. That is your Which is wrongful termination, age and gender discrimination, sexual harassment. You can get insurance for that. Yes, you can. There are big lawsuits for that Yeah, uh, we've seen lately.
0: And I do want to mention to our listeners, when you talk about insurance, also think about creditor protection. If you own your business in your own name, you have some personal liability exposure, you better have some really good insurance. Um, if you use an entity that's properly done, at least you can shield yourself from the liability You may not save the business but you can save your family and just i'll add one point to that titling
2: of property incredibly important because we i've had a scenario where one of my clients ended up uh, thought they had their real estate in an llc got a tax report there was no llc listed
0: as the property owner It was still in the individual's names. And I'll give a fun little story. So we had a case recently where the property allegedly was transferred to a trust. And the Georgia Court of Appeals said, oops, you messed up. And that was about an $85 million uh, gain to my client who got to keep the the property. Be very careful, particularly in estate planning, uh, where you do the titling of the property and it matches up. So I do have a, a kind of a line that I often use. Which is if you if you ask your client how is the title the property titled and their lips are moving they're probably not telling you the truth
1: or they're, or they're often mistaken yes. and yeah. they and they
0: don't, they don't know, know it so so yeah. look at it both the client and and the, the the agent or or the advisor look at what the title is it's easy to do online
3: right. there's a lot of public information available on tax assessor websites and even the secretary of state website that help us a lot with that information
1: so. All right, what, um, we were talking earlier about uh, automobile insurance and the things that people don't know that they can or, or should have as part of their auto policy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because one of the things you talked about was excess liability and things like that that uh, I'd never heard of before.
3: So think of auto insurance. The state of Georgia requires and mandates a certain minimum amount of coverage. And it's very minimum. It's very minimum. It covers up $25,000 for one person that you hit and $50,000 for the total people you hit. And that's not going to cover a Bentley. It's not going to cover a multi-car accident. And, and, and by
0: the way, the fact that the state requires it doesn't mean you have it. <laughs>
3: right, That which, is correct.
0: Which
1: brings us to the point I think we were talking about earlier.
3: So, and the other part of that, there's coverage for liability to others, for people you hurt, and then to property damage. So the third part of that is $25,000 of coverage for the car uh, that is damaged, uh, caused by you. Mm-hmm. The reality is you need to protect yourself for way more than that. And the costs to increase the limits are minimal. So you're protecting others for people you hurt. You also need to protect yourself, which is the uninsured motorist coverage or underinsured motorist
0: coverage. Explain what that is, because it doesn't make total sense when you hear it, when no, you say it.
3: so you mentioned earlier, yes, the state requires you to have insurance, but of course not everyone does. You do have to have it when you register your car, and beyond that, once you let it cancel, the state will start sending you letters, but that doesn't force you to go out and get it. But underinsured and uninsured motorist coverage protect you just like your liability protects others. So if someone hits you, and they may carry the legal amount required by the state, which happened to me last year. I was hit by a guy with the minimum limits. His limits ran out, and my underinsured motorist coverage had to pay.
0: So, so what that means is if somebody else is at fault and they hit you, if they don't have good insurance, your insurance kicks in and covers it for it
3: you. It kicks in on top of what they would have. Correct. Either for damage to your car or damage to yourself or your passengers. So, what do you
1: recommend that clients get with regard to auto insurance in so addition to basic coverage?
3: You get the highest limits you can on the auto policy and you match the uninsured motorist coverage to that. And my theory is, why would you protect yourself for less than you're protecting others?
0: And, and can you get uninsured motorist coverage that is greater than your liability coverage? Because, you know, with all due respect, I love my family more than the strangers.
3: Most days, right? <laughs> But no, uh, yes, you can increase the liability coverage by purchasing a personal umbrella liability policy, which is a layer of million or millions on top of your auto and home and other liability coverages. And you can do the same with uninsured motorists. You can purchase that on your umbrella policy also. An umbrella policy is usually attached to homeowners? It's usually a separate standalone policy. Some carriers write it as part of the auto or part of the home, but it's based on how many cars you have, how many homes, boats, rental properties. It'll go over anything you own personally. And if I can, uh, my
2: example, when I think about the umbrella or the comprehensive coverage, I look at it and go, you're driving your balance sheet or your net worth down the road. If you've got a $3 million net worth, forget your car. If you hit and permanently injure or kill someone, that balance sheet is now exposed. Or vice
0: versa they hit you and injure you. Correct. I mean, it, it, but, but it's... The li- but you're concerned but, about the liability. Yeah,
2: my concern is I want to make sure I've covered the assets that you've taken a lifetime to build with one accident. Could take care of all, that could eliminate every dollar you have. And that's why that's so important to me. And,
3: and I, that's, that's relatively cheap insurance, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's 100 <laughs> It's $150 for a $1 million dollars of coverage in most cases for one, one house and two cars. Right. So if you're walking around with a net worth
2: of $5 million and you pay $500 for your excess liability we, It's coverage. the cheapest insurance you Correct. Yeah. I mean, we're covering $5 million worth of assets with
3: $500. And one thing we preach at Eagle Insurance is to use your insurance premiums for things you can't afford, not things you can. So hey, Give I me can't an afford, example. So I can't afford the umbrella, but let's raise our deductible on our home insurance or our car insurance buy a little bit to save 50 bucks here $75 there. You're only getting back $500. You're giving up $500 of exposure, but you're using the savings to buy a million dollars on the other end. So spend your dollars for things you can't afford, not things you can.
0: So I was reading in, in, in in the New York Times recently about some issues on VRBO type rental properties where you're renting out your house. Are these creating special issues of liability or exposure for the homeowner?
3: Extremely, the standard insurance policies for rental properties cover the long-term renter, someone who's in there 12 months or longer usually. When you have a VRBO, Airbnb, the home or property becomes like a hotel. They're not going to have the same lighting, railing, helping the elderly. I saw an article the other day from the carrier we work with in this area about a person whose rental property had a small pond in it. Somebody did a belly flop in it. Guess what? They didn't know how deep it was. $11 million later was the verdict on that in Alabama.
1: And and is there a way to get it
3: on
0: a regular homeowner's, or do you have to get a business-type policy?
3: It's a business-type policy, but it is for individuals because it covers the liability as a business because you're really running a small hotel. And a lot of times people neglect to bring that up when you ask, like
2: when I'm looking at their statement of net worth, and they say, "Yeah, we've got a, a home here in Atlanta, and we've got a home on the lake do you rent that home in the lake out does your insurer know that you rent that home out because if you don't discuss that with your client they're going to walk right past you and just say it's just a second home but if you ask that question and they've exposed themselves liability wise that's when you call and that's when i would call Andy and say andy i've got somebody i think you need to talk to does it matter how much you rent
1: your lake home L uh, so so if you only rent it out a few weeks a year is it an issue versus you
2: know are you asking tax wise or are you <laughs> well tax, you tax can wise get fourteen tax, days yeah, yeah. you can get fourteen no, days t- without a an issue income tax wise the master's rule <laughs> yeah but if you rent it out one day and you don't have that type of liability coverage and it's a rental where you're operating this is a business I don't, Andy how would you respond
3: to that as a what can go wrong does go wrong. We so appreciate our clients that ask permission and not forgiveness uh, before they do something. <laughs> that that would not be most of your clients, would it? <laughs> some we just don't know
0: about. Yeah. Uh, let, let me ask a kind of an odd question. So we do a lot. Of, when you get insurance, they ask you all these questions. They ask, you know, have you ever had a heart attack? Or they ask you on your homeowners, do you rent it out? Tell our listeners how honest they need to be.
3: You need to be 100% honest. <laughs> It's that simple because you don't want to risk a claim being excluded because you weren't truthful on the application.
0: And I can tell you as a lawyer that's one of the high reasons why insurance is denied is you said something that wasn't true on the application. So I warn our listeners of that.
3: Well, also with technology these days, underwriters in vacation areas such as beaches might Google an address. You know, there's ways to find out if your home is in a short-term rental program just by looking at that. Uh, I do recommend any short-term rental property be outside your own personal name. Set up an LLC for it. Limit your liability.
1: Which, which is cheap and easy to do. Yes. yes.
3: Uh, you know, transfer the risk by buying insurance, but limit the risk by setting up the LLC.
1: Any particular mistakes you generally see uh, your clients making with regard to insurance?
2: Well, you're stumping me here, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> There's so many. The one I was telling you about were, you know, A lot of people just don't think of the liability the potential liability if you're a real estate owner even if it's a a small rental home Mm -hmm. the exposure you think if uh, you've got it in an LLC and you're fine and there's no issue the contagion I kind of look at it is if somebody has a claim against that property say you own a hundred thousand dollar little rental property and they make a claim against that and that's not going to satisfy their needs it's Attorneys, is that, that going to be the end of the day? What about um,
1: people who have uh, others working at their house, either you know, landscapers or, or housekeepers
3: or you know, you know, fill in the blank? Yeah. I mean, additional
1: insurance required for that, or you, different you always, considerations? Required? In a
3: perfect world, you always want to hire insured contractors to work on your home. That means general liability and workers' comp. As Philip mentioned, uh, let's say this happened in someone's home where someone fell through were skylight uh, that person's workers' comp and general liability would have protected them for the workers' comp and any liability had they hurt someone uh, in the process.
1: But, but a homeowner often doesn't have that?
3: Well, the homeowner has their own liability in case someone's hurt on their property mm-hmm. who is an invited guest, which could be a housekeeper or a landscaper. But do you want to put that liability at risk when the guy comes to clean your gutters and falls off the ladder? Do you want to be impacted by his mistake?
2: And that's where the umbrella would step in? Correct,
3: mm-hmm. correct. Uh, but the thing you mentioned about mistakes people make, I think, is really failure to inform or consult. We look at it as insurance in our role is trying to give you advice to help you in your business: should you do this or should you not do this? And our better clients will call ahead of time and say, "Hey, should I buy this car for my 16-year-old kid, or should no. I?" No. Your kid, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. in business, should I offer this line of product? Well, I'm importing this stuff from some foreign country. I can't get product liability on it. Well, is that a risk? I mean, those are things that we want to talk to first before they actually commit. So most people aren't going to know enough, I mean, even if they listen to this whole radio show, they're not going to know enough about insurance
1: to go into somebody and say, I need this, this, and this. I don't, I'm not covered for those things. More than likely, they're going to want to come into somebody and say, I don't know anything about insurance. Tell me what I ought
2: to have. Is that the kind of thing that a client would normally do with you guys? Well, for me, it's critical for me to establish um, their net worth, their cash flow. When I see those things, questions yeah. just start to pop. So, okay. so if someone comes in to you just for general
1: planning, you're going to get a complete picture of what their, their, uh, their family looks like, their business looks like, their, their, their assets look like. And from that, you're going to be able to just advise them. You're not going to have to wait for them to say, no, what no, kind no. of
2: insurance do I need? you say, in addition to these things. If Craig comes in and tells me he has a 16-year-old son, I'm going to look at him going, wow, you're just staring auto insurance in the face, aren't you?
0: Oh yeah, it's and, expensive. Yeah, Can yeah. I ask a question? Because I know one someone asked me, when I said we were doing a show on insurance, tell us a little bit about renter's insurance. Should we have it? And particularly relating to our aging parents who might have been owning their own home, but now are shifting either to apartments or independent living, should they get renter's insurance?
3: So renter's insurance is a different type of homeowner's insurance, where you're not insuring a structure; you're just insuring contents. But what people fail to realize is renters insurance and home insurance also come with liability coverage. You can replace your stuff, but the liability piece is the biggest part of that. You live in an apartment complex and you've got your grill outside, set the building on fire. That's your liability coverage. Or your
0: caregiver falls. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay, so we're, we're, we're nearing the end. I'm gonna give you a chance and you get a choice. I'm gonna ask each of you, tell us your best success story or your worst horror story about one of your clients and their insurance needs.
3: No names though. I guess the biggest success stories for me is when our industry itself comes through after tornadoes go through Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Joplin, Missouri years ago, or South Georgia this past year. When people are put back to hold as quickly and fairly as possible, that is what makes me proudest of our industry. In a recent example now is about a client who's in a major lawsuit uh, from a death in an accident he's got the right liability coverage I'm happy he's protected we consulted beforehand to make sure in case something like this happened so knowing that the money you pay for will come through and protect you is what makes me most proud and one story
2: I can tell you recently I had a client come in and um, we didn't really touch on health insurance but I think it's so critical in the world that I work in with uh, retirement planning and trying to look out uh, long-term objectives Um, he had retired ten years ago and it's highly unusual to find anybody who got bought out from their position that carries health insurance and he came into my office and one of the first questions i asked him i said because he was looking at fully retiring i said how are you going to pay for health insurance and he said one of the fortune 500 companies was where he worked and his health insurance until age 65 is a hundred dollars a month and i was like mine
0: is a hundred (laughs) dollars a minute correct
2: and i was looking at him going you are you have the golden ticket because when clients come to me and they talk about wanting to retire early my first question is how are you going to provide for your health insurance because it's i tell them i won't budget you for health insurance individually for under thirty thousand dollars a year
0: and i do want to mention that a lot of 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 individuals that work for a government you may not have been paid well along the way, and you may have lots of complaints here and there, but one of the great opportunities is as you retire, there are many benefits. You may have to pay a dollar or two for, but they're so much better through government program, through government employment. Always look at health care. How long can you carry your insurance forward? Do they have long-term care insurance? Things that you can get through a group policy as a retiree, right. and it can be very, very helpful. All right, before we wrap up, let
1: me give each of you an opportunity to uh, uh, to tell our listeners how to reach you. So, Andy, why don't we uh, start with you? Uh, how can people contact
3: you? So, the best way to reach me uh, is info at com. That's S-I-E-G-E-L. And our phone number is 404-633-6332.
2: Philip? And you can reach me on my cell, which is 404-966-7420. It's Consulting Financial Planning. Or you can find me on the Adam and... Craig's website.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And as we wrap uh, wrap up our show, I want to thank everyone for listening to Wealth Matters. After 50 episodes and five years on the air, it's been an honor having you with us as we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. For more information about Gastelwich Frankel, please go to our website at gastelwichfrankel.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Estate Dispute and use our show's hashtag Wealth Matters. Our guests today were Philip Kahn with Consulting Financial Planning and Andy Siegel with Siegel Insurance, Inc. Please join us every fourth Wednesday of the month at 8.30 a.m. here at Wealth Matters on Business Radio X.